Sermon 12.3, The Unforgivable Sin and the Responsibility of the Born Again. Matthew's 12th chapter, verses 31 and 32. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. What I have explained to you in my writing so far may have its limitations, but all that I have tried to explain in my books is the gospel of the water and the spirit. And I am sure that whoever believes in this gospel truth will most certainly receive the remission of his sins. Our Lord said in Romans 10th chapter, verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And he said in Romans 10th chapter, verse 17, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Whoever believes in the gospel word of the water and the spirit will be saved from all his sins and become righteous without any exception. If you still have doubts about this faith in the gospel of the water and the spirit, then I admonish you to open your hearts once again and believe in it. All who really want to be cleansed of all their sins should first set aside their own thoughts and believe in the gospel truth of the water and the spirit. All the sins of the world have actually been eliminated because Jesus Christ took them all away by being baptized by John the Baptist. Today, I will explain the sin of blasphemy the Holy Spirit. My fellow believers, it is precisely those who do not believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit, but blaspheme it, that are of those who commit this sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. This sin is so mortal that the Lord said that it would never be forgiven in this world nor in the next world to come. So we must all have the proper understanding of this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. 1 John 3, chapter, verse 9 states, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. This passage means that those who believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit, the gospel of power and of the remission of sin, do not commit the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. In contrast, however, it is written in Hebrews 6 chapter verses 4 through 8. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened 
and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of this age to come. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessings from God, but it bears thorns and briars. It is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. As it is written in Hebrews 10th chapter, verses 26 through 29. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace? All these passages warns us that if anyone, even as he knows about the baptism that Jesus Christ received from John and his blood shed on the cross, denies and rejects this gospel, he is voluntarily turning himself into someone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit. When the Bible speaks about the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it is the sin of refusing and rejecting to believe that Jesus Christ has saved every one of us through his baptism and bloodshed. Therefore, anyone who commits this blasphemy can no longer be remitted from his sins in any other way. Such people do not believe that the laying on of hands on that correction, such people do not believe that the laying of hands on the heads of the sacrificial offerings and their bloodshed in the Old Testament were the same as the baptism that Jesus Christ received from John the Baptist and his bloodshed on the cross. That is why they cannot receive the remission of their sins. It is written in 1 John 5, chapter, verse 16. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. 
The sin leading to death here is none other than the sin of unbelief that one commits by not believing in the baptism that Jesus Christ received from John the Baptist and his blood shed on the cross as his own remission of sin. In other words, this sin of disbelieving the gospel of the water and the spirit is what constitutes the very blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Those who truly fear God all believe that Jesus Christ took and solved away all the sins of this world with the baptism that he received from John the Baptist and his blood shed on the cross. The Bible is warning that if you forsake this faith that is placed in the baptism and bloodshed of Jesus Christ as the truth of the remission of sin, you will suffer unimaginable pain and sorrow. Even now, Satan is misleading countless people not to believe in the baptism and bloodshed of Jesus Christ. But you must not give up your faith in this truth. The devil is deceiving people with all kinds of tricks so that they would not believe in the baptism of Jesus Christ. This is why the Bible says in 2 Peter 3rd chapter verses 17 and 18, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, Beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of wickedness. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. This passage is admonishing us to hold on to our knowledge of the gospel of truth that Jesus Christ took upon all our sins by being baptized by John the Baptist and bore our condemnation of sin by being crucified and shedding his blood on the cross and to thereby receive eternal life. Therefore, we must be very weary of all other faiths that reject the gospel truth of the water and the spirit as the truth of salvation. What then must we do once we receive the remission of our sins to overcome Satan's deception and keep our true faith? It is written in 2 Corinthians 6 chapter verses 14 through 16. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Congruent to what we see in this passage, it is also written in 1 Corinthians 6, chapter, verse 19. 
that the bodies of the righteous who have received the remission of their sins are the holy temple of God. In short, the righteous who have received the remission of their sins must not engage in the work of God together with the sinners who have not been remitted from their sins, nor can they do this. The reason for this is because the Spirit of God is not pleased by it. The righteous who have been remitted from their sins should gather together separately only with the righteous. And it is in this fellowship of the righteous that they should lead their lives of faith, preach the gospel, and defend their faith. We should not allow ourselves to mingle with sinners. For example, if people wearing white garments were to work in a coal mine, wouldn't they all turn black in no time? Like this, if the righteous try to serve the Lord's gospel with sinners, they will end up corrupting the real truth of the remission of sin. If this happens to us, we will lose the gospel of the water and the blood and deceived the correction and be deceived by Satan we will fall into confusion once again. Satan watches for every opportunity to make a prey of even the born again when they are separated from their churches and their leaders. For example, as we've often seen in nature documentaries, when some predators stalk a herd of herbivorous animals, it is always those that fall behind or otherwise separate themselves from the herd that fall prey and ultimately succumb to the predator's attack. Just like this, it is those who fall away from the gathering of the righteous that will end up perishing. This is why God the Father has established his church on this earth by gathering those who believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit. Regarding God's church, it is written in Matthew 16th chapter, verses 16 through 18. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We must pay close attention to the fact it is on this faith in Jesus Christ as the Savior that God's church has been established, just as Jesus himself said to Peter. Elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 1st chapter verse 2, the following is also written about God's church. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, 
both theirs and ours. The Apostle Paul defined God's church as the gathering of the saints who have received the remission of sin. Put differently, God said here that his church is the gathering of those who have been remitted from all their sins by their faith in the gospel of the water and the spirit. And God also said in Jeremiah third chapter, verses 14 and 15, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Just as God promised to us here, he has raised the born-again servants whose hearts are in accord with his as the leaders of the church, and he has made them work in many ways so that they would nourish the born-again children of God. Just as God said here, there indeed is his born-again church in this world, and there also are his born-again servants. It is God's will toward the born-again that he puts up his shepherds in his church to nourish and to take care of the saints who believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit with the word of truth. This is how the saints grow strong in the truth. The Apostle Paul testified to his calling before King Agrippa, saying, I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send to you, to open their eyes, in order to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and an inheritance among those who are sanctified in faith by me. Acts 26, chapter, verses 17 and 18. God wants to deliver all sinners from all their sins through his church and his servants so that they can inherit the kingdom of heaven and all his blessings by faith. To become members of God's church is the privilege of the saved. And we now have another privilege to preach the gospel of the water and the spirit throughout the whole world in union with God's church. When we are faithful to these privileges, we can lead the entire mankind to the way of new life.